Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Jesus is telling a parable and he says this again, talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. That's a brave man, isn't it? Calling your servants together and entrusting your wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Where are my children? If you ever do that kind of third option, you will be grounded, Kate. After a long time. I think we should underline that. After a long time. The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now you like this master. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with... Two bags of gold, see, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I I knew that you're a hard man. Hmm. There is nothing that preceded that statement that suggests to me that the master was a hard man. You can find whatever you're looking for to justify the action that we take. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is, what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, in brackets, maybe not in 2020. (laughs) So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. It's curious what God does, or the master, but it's a parable, it's about God. Take the bag from the one who actually gave something to, the one, and give it to the one who now has 10. Socialists wouldn't like that. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, that's big, huh? I want to talk to you about the future. I want to talk to you about um, what we'll call future building. I mean, what kind of future would you, would you build? The year 2020, January 2020, I wonder where you'll be a decade from now. I wonder what your life will look like a decade from now. I wonder what my life will look like a decade from now. I don't want to say how old I'll be a decade from now. 
But it's possible that within a decade from now, not you, Katie, but my oldest child could have her own child. Yes, maybe my second child. It would definitely produce a genetically good-looking child. But a decade from now, what will life look like? What, uh, here's what I know. As we stand in January 2020 and think about the future we'd build by the grace of God, 2030, I wonder what life will look like for you. Here's what I know for sure. Life will happen, but bottom line is it'll be a mix of the spirit we live with, the decisions we make, the positions we take, the, the relationships we choose and forge. It will, be, it will reflect that. Whatever the economy does, whatever the drought does, whatever the fires do, the spirit we live with, the decisions we make, the positions we take, the relationships we choose and forge, the works we invest in and commit to, in who we live for and who we live amongst, all of those things. And if God turns up, um, who knows what can happen, but all of those things are going to shape what life looks like for you if we are here in the year 2030. Me too. What's interesting about this is if we go back a decade, January 2010. On January, 20, January 1, 2010, I wrote a journal entry. I write about two journal entries a year, every second year, and, uh, and I keep them. And uh, very disciplined in my journal entries. And on January 1, um, 2010, I wrote something like this. 20, uh, two, uh, 2009 was not the year I expected. 2009 was, was um, things didn't grow around church. That, that, that for me, that, especially then, that would just do my head in a bit older now and hopefully a bit more mature around that. We didn't grow. We'd had good years. We were about to, in 2010 and 2011, um, have explosive years as a church. But at the start of 2010, I was coming out of the year that I didn't really predict, didn't anticipate, didn't want. But at 2010, we were in a very different place, a good place, to the year 2000. And by 2020, and I remember in 2010 and around those years, saying to people in our church, if you'll come on the journey, I'm telling you, where we are now, you will remember this kind of language. You will not recognise it what, what we, like when we get to the future, like here, it will be unrecognisable with where we are now if you'll go on the journey. And let's be honest, it's unrecognisable with where we are now. And I would suggest to you, that in 2030, and we'll talk about it next week, it will be unrecognisable. I will look younger. I will be fitter. I will be wiser. But the church will be unrecognisable with where it is now. I believe. That's not because I think it. I believe that's what the download of heaven, the, the inspired thought of God. But what about your life? What about it this week? And, and I think here in Matthew 25, we see this incredible future-building parable. They didn't even know it was a future-building principle. They just knew it was about being faithful. And, and so I want to talk about it tonight. I, I'd go this far in, in, in terms of what kind of future are you looking to build or would God have you build is a better question. Let's talk about that. And, and I'll put it in language like this, setting up for a God-appointed expansive future. I, I, I think that's what we see here. They, they didn't know it, but they were setting up for a God-appointed, God-favoured, God-blessed in this parable, expansive future. 
And so let's have a look. Let me read one passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you, Paul says, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expensively. I think, I don't know about, I want to bring that spirit into this decade. Really do. That kind of spirit into this decade. That we would, what God does is always his business, but we would set up for an expansive future. That, that you would in your own life, that, that you know, in your family, in your life, in, if you lead a a business in our church that we would set up. We already have and we will set up for an expansive future. I believe, I believe that's the grace upon our church. And I've observed that the grace upon our church over the years has been something we've seen in the lives of people that are part of it. And I think you can, can live in that way. I think I can live in that way and see a God-appointed expansive future. Whatever the case, just building the future. And so just some thoughts on this this um, parable as we, as we go. Um, first thought, and I'm going to bring you to a, like the foundation, I think, of setting up for a God-appointed expansive decade. I'm going to give you just tonight the foundation, but on the way there, let me give you some thoughts. Uh, um, I think there's expansive potential, what we read here, in every person and in every church. And, and um, for some, it's going to be small, like the one talent, and for some, it's going to be big, like the five. And for everyone else, it's going to be something in between. And it doesn't matter about the scale. Um, I, don't know, uh, I don't know about you. I just know about pastors, I suppose. Uh, pastors are way more impressed by scale than God is. <laughs> way more impressed. And I think it's got way more to do with us than it has to do with you know, anything else. So, so, but, but, but God's not impressed by scale, is he? We see that here. God's impressed by faithful, which is what we see here. And, and, um, um, but, 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 but I forgot my thought, um, which is not unusual if you're visiting with us. It's a weekly occurrence. But there's expansive potential in every person. And so it could be great, it could be small, but what I think we should commit to is fully exploring it, whatever that is. Just fully exploring our expansive potential as people, as a church. Um, these three guys had varying degrees of expansive potential, didn't they? Each one was different, and 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 I think that we all become, uh, we all our lives will reflect, um, one, you know, two of the two guys or the one guy or somewhere in between. You know, we're going to live that way where we're going to fully invest everything we've got in serving the master, or we're we're going to just disregard it and live at the other end of the scale or somewhere in between. And really, the Bible's encouragement, Jesus encouragement, the spirit of God's encouragement to us is to live like the two, like just all in and we're going for broke and that's what he calls us to. And, and, and even if, if you're not a believer here, you might be going, damn, that's full on. I'm like, uh, here's my tip for you up front if you're yet to believe, is that really to live half-hearted is the worst way to do it. Uh, if you've ever had a gym membership, the people who get no results, the people who don't see anything happen, are the people who get a membership and do little with it, aren't they? You can pick them out when you go into the gym. You can pick out the New Year's resolution because in March, they're not there anymore. Some are. They end up looking like Nordo. But, but when you fully commit just in anything, 
It's the best way to do it. People like Nordau and me, we love going to the gym. But I know other people who hate it. And the difference is that we go all the time and they don't go all the time. And, and, and really, this whole, the Christian life is very much like that. The best way to live is aligned with the two, where we're just going for broke. And if you're not there yet, I just want you to know that in advance because it's the best way to live this out if God gets a hold of your life and you surrender to him. And so expansive potential, every person has it. Um, there's degree. And I think we're just getting comfortable with that we, you know, the degree to which we have. Uh, who was here this morning? Anyone? Hear my wife preach? That was phenomenal, right? Uh, when I got outside, people were saying to me, visitors from other towns, are going, wow, that was incredible. That woman is a, like a Bible teacher. And I'm like, wait till you hear me tonight. I'm amazing. I was, uh, they, but imagine I was insecure about how strong the gift is on my wife's life. Um, you just got to get comfortable in our skin, five, three, one, two, four talents, whatever it looks like, whatever they are, just to get them. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm good with it, God. I'm just going to bring it before you. Just get comfortable with where it's at. Get comfortable with what I have and what I don't. I think it's so important and it's a journey, but boy, it's freeing when you get there. In fact, I've got to the point in this journey where I don't even want what they've got. That would create more work for me. I get less work by being less capable than other people. It's just, a, it's almost a gift all on its own. I, um, get comfortable with what we have, what we don't have. Learn, you know, celebrate, celebrate other people doing well. Uh, it's such a good thing for the heart to celebrate everyone's success. Um, uh, here's the next thought. Where they were at... Um, uh, where they were at was where it was at. Sorry, I was trying, I'm like, I confused myself. Where they were at was where it was at. Some people are living, waiting for tomorrow that's never coming. Where we're at is where it's at. It's always where it's at. And, and where you're at, waiting for the shift to come, waiting for the change to come, waiting for, the, I don't know, hear a whisper from a bird on the corner or whatever. Um, uh, that was a dumb thought, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know where I heard that thought from. But just where it's at, it's at right here where we're right here where we're at right now is where it's at with God. It always starts where we're at and with what we've got, and then God turns up in that. I, I know Fritzy. I'm not going to tell what's in Fritzy's heart, but I can tell you the dream in Christian Fritz's heart is huge. It's huge, and I absolutely he and I believed in it before he even started it. We sat in a room and we dreamed about it, didn't we, Fritzy? And and I believe. I believe that it'll come to pass. But I, I know, you know the reason I'm confident that it will come to pass is I look at his history and know that God can trust that within, within, in the future. And, and so just where it's at, what we got right now has huge potential. And so Matthew chapter 25, verse 19 from the text we read, after a long time, and I think in terms of future building, after a long time, uh, like I said, 20, 2009, I had this statement over 2009. I was like, mate, this is going to be an awesome year. 2009, it didn't happen. But that year did happen in 2010. One year later, came home after our holiday, and um, 2010 just erupted. It was great. It was a great year. After a long time, sometimes it's not on our timeline. In fact, I found that most of the time it's not on my timeline. The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. 
And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And here's a, here's a starting thought. He talks about after a long time, the master of the servant returned and settled accounts. The master of the servant. Here's the foundation of, of building the future. And some of you will know this, but I want to orientate us again at the start of the year, at the start of a decade. Um, it's this. It comes down to building the future always builds on total surrender. Total surrender to God. And, and some of you are like, Darren, I know that. Yeah, I just want to reorientate us. I, I periodically come back to this myself, get on my knees, often here in this building, and just reorientate myself again. Um, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he's about to go to the cross, and he says these words um, as he is, is um, in turmoil in his souls, these famous words, I think they're the most powerful in the idea of surrender. He says, but Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That's really what we're talking about. Not my will, but yours be done in every area of our lives. And that's a journey, but, but essential. That's the essential, unfashionable, powerful foundation. I like to say to you, just follow your heart and the rest will flow. But no, it actually doesn't flow out of that. It flows out of surrender as a foundation. Not my will, but yours be done. And it's actually a liberating place to come to and to live out of. It's kind of counterintuitive. It's against every natural uh, tendency of fallen humanity. But I know this, when, you, when I've gotten it right, when other people get this right in, in history, that something can happen. Surrender to him is the essential, unfashionable, powerful foundation of every God-appointed, expansive future. And we see it here in the parable. The words of the old hymn capture it well. Love to sing it for you. All to Jesus, I surrender. You know it, right? Some of you know it. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed saviour. I surrender all. When I was a brand new Christian, um, going off to work, I used to sing the song, um, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Every night I'd listen to it on the way to my night shift. No turning back. I'd sing it at the top of my voice, driving in my Datsun panel van. And um, all to Jesus. I, uh, not all to Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. And, 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 and just that spirit on the inside of us changes everything. All to Jesus. I surrender. And, and for, for a lot of people, they, they're using up a lot of energy um, just fighting God when we could just take up his cause. There, there's a lot of tension when they could, we could just take hold of his, his call on our lives. And, and my expectation here tonight and next week is that something would go on in the hearts of anybody who's still living under the tension of not yet surrendered, that we would come to the place where we go, I'm done with the tension, I'm done with the fight, I'm done with a little bit my way, a little bit your way, because that doesn't really work. And God, it's all surrender, all to Jesus, I surrender. And here's the problem. A lot of people live, not your will, but mine be done. Not your will, but mine be done. They're fine with God's will as long as it lines up with theirs, but the moment they're in conflict, I'm still king. Here's, here's the problem with that. It's a natural tendency of fallen humanity. Uh, this idea, not your will, but mine be done, it, it's, the, it's what created the chaos before humanity had breathed a breath. That's what created the chaos. Not your will, God, said the Prince of Heaven, but mine be done. And he fell like lightning, the Bible says. 
before humanity had breathed a breath, humanity at its roots, it was not your will but mine be done. When the first humans walked the planet, that's what it came down to. That idea has threaded its way through the ages. Isaiah talks about the idea that prophesies Jesus' birth, death, resurrection, dying for the sins of humanity, resurrected from the grave. It talks about all of that. And in the course of that, it identifies the core issue. And it says, all have gone what? Astray. All have gone where? Their own way. Not your will, but mine be done is the problem. And it puts a lid and a ceiling on our lives that God would push out, crack out, take off, that our lives might be set up with God-given appointment and with incredible, expansive potential. Not not my will, but yours be done is what we're looking for. It has uh, it caused chaos before humanity had breathed the breath. It, it is, has its roots in the beginning of our story. It has threaded its way through the ages. And I believe, and some of you have heard me say, it's exploded as the God of our age. We don't have the problem of false gods in Australia where we're sacrificing on hills far away. The God of our age in Western culture is not some created thing but me. I like to call it the I-God phenomenon, the God of our age. And it gets packaged in nice, pretty ways, but really it's just the problem since before humanity had breathed a breath that has its origins in the beginning, has threaded its way through the ages and exploded as the God of our age. And I think what God would do in our time, in this church, in churches like ours, is create a new rebellion. A generation of people who would say, who would say, and if it's not this generation, it will be the next. History is full of generations getting it right and generations getting it wrong. But it can be this generation. It can be the generation of the living. and A generation of people who would decide on a new rebellion and go, you know what, I don't care what culture says. I don't care what history's done. I'm not interested um, what popular opinion is, what my peers say, or even my parents do. I'm going to live with like a spirit of a new rebellion. I'm not going my way. I'm going God's way. Not my will, but yours be done. And that right there is the foundation of it all. Not my will, but yours be done. And it's this surrender that opens up to us our God-appointed future and all of its expansive potential. And all I can tell you is imperfectly as I have done it in my life, is that whenever I live out of that, I've seen God turn up in, in our own lives, in our church, in everything that he blesses and puts his hand on. And I would suggest to you that it's the same story about your life as our church, is if you'd been there in 2010, like Greg and Carol, who determined to come along for the ride, Noel, who's come along for the ride, what an incredible, we've seen a God story that's unusual. And now we're going to see another one. Well, I think your life can too. I think my life can as well see an unusual, God-appointed, expansive potential future as we do that. Surrender. Surrender finds its essence in a moment. Oh, sorry. Surrender finds its catalyst moment that determines to live fully, in, that determines to live fully yielded. It finds its catalyst moment in determining to live fully yielded to him. Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is what? Lord or master. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
The Bible goes on in Philippians and says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The moment is coming in this life or the next where everyone will declare Jesus is Lord. So let's do it now. Let's lay the foundation of surrender. Let's set up for a God-appointed future uh, for you as an individual, for us as a church. The second thought around surrender is surrender finds its defining statement in the act of, of baptism. This God idea rooted and threaded through the New Testament in Scripture. Um, baptism finds its defining statement in the act of baptism. If you haven't done that, I encourage you, right at the start of the year, choose that to make a statement about. And then this third thought is surrender will come to pivotal moments that prove defining. When Jesus makes that statement in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's not at the beginning, he's close to the end. And, and surrender will come to defining moments along the journey, won't it? Where just in the dying to myself and uh, uh, the things of God get done, the, under, the, under, the unsurrendered along the journey becomes as limiting a factor as the fully surrendered becomes a foundation God builds on, prospers, uses and blesses. It's in the plateaus. It's in the found my level where we say all access here and hands off over there that we find the limits of our future. And so for some of us, you're not at the point of a catalyst moment. We're just, I just want to point us to, um, to those who've been around a while and just go, hey, where, where, where is it like all to Jesus and hands off over here? Because in the hands off by our determination is saying to God, that's not got to go to point of future. I've decided that I'm just going to trust that to myself and I'm going to walk that out and work that out myself. And, and it's those areas we want to invite God into in a fully surrendered life that opens up to all he has for us. Um, and then this thought, surrender connects with its future in this. Acts 13, 36, often quoted by me. When David had served God's purpose in his generation, he rested with his father. Surrender finds its way forward in determining, hey, I'm, I'm just here to serve God's purpose in whatever that is. And I think that can be in all. I don't think that anyone should retire from what they do and become a pastor. I think that everything we do and everywhere we move and everywhere we live actually just has a, another layer of godly purpose upon it that we should step into. You know, and so right where we are, right where we're at, right where we're doing now, you know, if you're a teacher, or when we prayed for the teachers tonight, honestly, my thought was, can you believe the calibre of teacher that sits in our church? That's honest what I was thinking. Stand there next to Ree with my hand on her shoulder, and I was thinking about you guys, and, and uh, I can't see anyone else, but I was thinking about all the teachers I know in our church and thinking, I reckon if you pulled, I might be biased, I might be uninformed, but I don't think so, watching your heart, if you pulled all the teachers at Tamworth, that group would at least be in the core group of incredible people living with a strong, powerful testimony of the changed life Jesus makes in the schools where they are. Incredible, and, and you're the same, and I'm the same, in the sphere which we live, in the sphere which we move. Just going, hey God, it's about way more than this. It's about serving your purpose in my generation. I think what Fritzy's got in his heart, what, what you've got in your heart, you know, it's just, it's got a future. And um, um, we just continue to move forward with that. So what's he put in your hand right now? What's, what's in your heart right now? What's in your hand right now? Where, where can you serve right now? Surrender connects with its future in this. I'm here to serve your purpose.
Now let me wrap this up with this thought. It, really what this passage talks about is faithful. A God-appointed expansive future just builds on faithful. It, it builds on other things as well that follow and come, but it builds on, on faithful. And so, hey, there's so many faithful people in this room. God blesses faithful. God works with faithful. God can trust faithful. It, it's true, isn't it? It's so true. We know what the Bible says. Many of you do anyway. That, that if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. That tells me that if I'm not faithful in little, and I won't be faithful in much. And I've proven sometimes when I've given someone not faithful in little, I've proven myself personally that they, that principle is true. They're not faithful in much. But when you find someone faithful in little, God knows that if the heart stays consistent, they'll be faithful in much. And it talks about faithful here. And so for you and I, what, what, what's in your hand right now? Where's the opportunity right now? Um, just to be faithful. Bring great spirit to that. Position everything to smash through the ceilings of human limitation to launch our lives into a God-appointed, expansive future. Because I think that God has definitely got His hand upon your life. He's got His hand upon my life. I think He's got His hand upon your life. And He's just looking for whoever's willing. And so tonight I'm going to ask you, let's stand together. And um, just going to pray. We're going to wrap. There are things that are going to happen in this decade that we can't control, aren't there? You know, I think things are going to happen. But then there are the things that we get to position. And so, so as we wrap, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every person here tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, for that surrender you would call us all to. Pray that people would feel not the heaviness of that, but the lightness of that. Lord, the call upon their lives, the stirring of your spirit for faith to rise. Lord, um, in Jesus' name. Lord, we come and surrender to you. Lord, that you might build on that, Lord, people's future. Lord, more than that, a God-appointed future. Lord, that it might, Lord, fulfill every ounce and exceed every ounce of their God-given potential. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.